This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. This is Gigi Hawkins, and we are continuing our Sundance 2023 coverage. We have another roundtable for you, and this time we are talking post-production. Post-production, too often unsing, unsung, and absolutely critical to the success of our films. So for Sundance 2023, we wanted to bring together editors and sound teams to talk about these final stages of your film. And I think we broke some serious ground in this conversation. We're about to hear from Emmy-winning editor Taylor Mason, editor for the psychological horror film Birth Rebirth, which we shouted out on our first No Film School check-in as some of our favorites. Her previous work includes the Netflix miniseries Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, and Pose, as well as the variety show A Black Lady Sketch Show, for which Taylor and her team became the first all-Black team to win a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Picture Editing. We also have John Philpott, editor of the mockumentary film Theater Camp. Previously, he worked on beloved comedy series like Hacks, Search Party, Broad City, and Aquafina is Nora from Queens, as well as At Home with Amy Sedaris. And finally, we have the Sound Brothers, who, uh, <laughs> they're actually not brothers, but J- Mike James Gallagher and Anthony Vanchuri, part of the sound team of Onyx, the Fortuitous, and the Talisman. This pair has worked on everything from the biopic Weird Al, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, as well as Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me, and their collaboration on the documentary documentary, Lucy and Desi earned the pair an Emmy nomination. So in this conversation, we get into breaking story as an editor, the emotions of sound design. Did you know that there are happy doors and sad doors? There are. Temp sound and editors hoping to impress sound designers and vice versa. And I think we realize that editors and sound folks just have a big crush on each other's works. So let's get to it. Hold on, you guys work together? Yes. Yeah, yes. we worked. Yeah, so we worked on the same movie. Yeah, oh, or we cool. worked on a lot of the same projects. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. And like Taylor that. and I actually work on yeah. Uh, yeah. Likely Sketch Show together. Yeah. Oh, really? Right now, as we yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> um, well, we might actually use this as a kickoff moment of the podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> welcome to the No Film School podcast. This is our our I think our first post roundtable, awesome. at least for the last two years, because we obviously haven't been at Sundance in a while. But yeah. um, we are here with editors and sound supervisors, supervisors. and yeah. sound designers. Designers. Yeah. I just got in my head so much because I was like, I'm going to butcher these titles. So let's uh, let's yeah. quickly go around, introduce yourself, the movie that you worked on, and a brief summary of what it's about and your role. Um, Great. Uh, My name is Taylor Mason. I um, am lucky enough to be here for Birth Rebirth, uh, basically about its pregnancy and creation, women in creation, I guess, influenced by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, basically centered around two women who, uh, I guess, are bonded by this common goal to reanimate a little girl. It's a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the ones I wanted to see. You can't get a ticket though. <laughs> Is it sold out? It's impossible to get a ticket. Oh. I saw opening night and it was like the perfect way to kick off the festival. Oh, great. The midnight awesome. screening. And if it kept your interest for like, I mean, I was engaged on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I also woke up at four in the morning and it started at midnight. So I think that speaks to how everyone should see this film. Thank okay, you. Cool. Uh, I'm John Philpot. I caught the film Theater Camp and it is about a ragtag bunch of people that run a theater camp and they're trying to kind of keep it afloat in uh, troubled times. That's kind of a good way to describe it, I guess, without spoiling it too much. Nice. Um, Are, did you go to theater camp? I did not go to theater camp. Okay. Do you feel like you got a taste of what it is like? I would say that if you're someone who wants to know 
anything about the psychology of people that went to theater camp, this is the film for you. And it's, uh, you know, I think it opened me up to uh, uh, welcoming, welcoming them into my heart. You know, <laughs> I was not a theater kid. I was kind of like a skater kid. So skater kid, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, now I, I, I kind of lament and wish that I was a theater kid. <laughs> it's a pretty special place. Yeah. My name is Mike James Gallagher, and I'm the sound designer and supervising sound editor on Onyx, The Fortuitous, and The Talisman of Souls. And it's about a misfit who gets the golden ticket to go to a Satanist mansion with the goal of everyone gaining immortality by summoning a demon. Okay. Yeah. Does that... Yeah, that, that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, and yeah. Anthony here worked on it with me, so yeah, he can, my, yeah, uh, my, he's seen it. Yeah, my name's Anthony Vanturi. I'm the supervising sound editor as well on Onyx Fortunus, and Mike summed it up perfectly. Uh, yeah, demons, magic, and all sorts Ghouls, of ghouls, demons. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you joined a satanic cult? I already was a satanist before, For so yeah, yeah. So it's perfect. No. <laughs> that's why, I, yeah, that's why I hired Anthony to work with me. Yeah, because yeah. He has experience. Yeah. So. I was going to say, from like a sound perspective, that's probably pretty exciting, right? It's, like this is the ultimate sound person. It's the most ambitious project I've ever done, but it was also you know fairly low budget, so uh, you know yeah. it's it's a lot of a lot of work. I'm mean, I basically. Me and Anthony were the only sound editors on the project, whereas for yeah. a movie like this, you would have like maybe three more. Yeah. If, <laughs> if this had the budget that it deserved, yeah, you would have months and months and months and a team of editors. But yeah, it was just Mike and I um, yeah. cutting away on this. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of cool, yeah. crazy moments. A lot of custom built monster sounds, I would say. A lot of custom built monster demon. How did you stuff. do it? Slow motion or were you using like animal sources? Or? Oh yeah, all over the place. Um, even our own voices. Oh yeah, a lot of the actors. I mean, we got in. Well, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, you know, there's moments where we had the actors come in and re-record record ghoul sounds to like help them. So it's like you, I'm not going to give away. Can you too give much. us an example? So, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so there's so there's moments in the film where there's ghouls, and so we have these uh, the actors who are in the movie would come in, we'd have them come in and do ADR and have them record like monster like growls. So they'd come in and we and we'd have and we, you know, our director Andrew Bowser did a great job directing them in these seconds going like, oh I want in these moments we want the ghoul the ghouls a little like the ghouls have emotions. So it's like, oh I want it to sound like this. And so yeah, we recorded all the actors doing this and then Mike and Mike would take his creature sounds that he created for the ghouls and then we'd blend those with the actors' performances just to create a very cool sounding, uh, yeah. unique uh, ghoul sounds. That's it's fantastic. a massive collage of just any sound source you can think of that just sounds interesting and yeah. evokes the right emotion and mood and everything like that. Now, you don't have, Taylor, you don't have a ghoul in your movie, but you have a reanimated girl. <laughs> Was there any particular sound? There is a very specific sound that I remember from the film, her sort of like, like, Troubled breathing. Yep. Was that the actor? Was that recorded on set? Do, uh, and and how did you end up incorporating it into the edit? It was definitely treated in the mix. We left it alone in the edit. I think Laura was going to try to figure out what she wanted when we got into the mix. Mm -hmm. And it really was just kind of layered Leela audio uh, with some verb. And uh I don't know what Brian did. Brian Parker, our mix and sound designer. I don't know what he did to create that magic, but Brian's great. I know Brian. Yeah. <laughs> it, we, we wanted a little bit of monster feel, but we still wanted uh, the girl, like her to sound like just a you know regular girl, mm -hmm. which to me was a little even more unsettling. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, and we kind of used that to just track her, I guess, health status. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, obviously in this, there's a pig that's, uh, you know, they have an interesting interaction. And like that, that's when she's kind of <laughs> at her. They have, yeah, an interesting interaction. But uh, I think at that moment is when it, we hear her most treated or, you know, she sounds more like mm -hmm. Frankenstein's monster than in any other part of the film. Yeah. Was her so. performance changing in the movie as far as like sounding more unhealthy? And That's that was the goal. Okay. It's okay. just yeah, just you know, have her start off with just normal breathing, little girl kind of mm -hmm. um moans and groans. And then like when it really got to this 
<laughs> this pig moment with the pig. Um, this pig right. Um, yeah, that's when Brian tried to just lean in and give her something creepy, unsettling. And I know this is skewing a little outside of editing, but I, I noticed that with the score in Birth Rebirth, I heard the sound of an ultrasound built mm-hmm. into the score. And I thought that was such an interesting choice. Did you temp score? And how? What, what did you temp score with? What was that process? Well, I, I actually did some temp with Ariel's previous music, mm. like music she's already made, and a little bit of Arrival, a little bit of Hereditary. Mm-hmm. I kind of those are my go tos. I'm in love with that. I you know I use them almost on that sketch show, yeah. but <laughs> um, Dom, well, I took kind of that. Interesting, I yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, some sketches. Some of the sketches, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were saying we work on Black Lady Sketch Show together, and some of those sketches can get to be, yeah. there's some phone moments to design for Black Lady Sketch Show, you know? Yeah. There's the sketch last season where, I forget what it is, they're at like a, oh, the, I forget they're in like a, there's like a woman giving a speech or whatever, and then like all the women are going to hell. Do you remember what? Just, I'm trying to think. Wait, of the, what? You okay. know that, like, there's like a portal that opens to hell, and like all the women. Oh, are the like, interstitials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or well, there's all that stuff, and so every once in a while we'll design crazy stuff. Robin, the showrunner yeah. on that, will always have great ideas. So yeah, you can. Those sketches are great. They run the gamut from you know strictly yeah. comedy to you know horror themed sketches, all kinds of genres. I I would like to see a hereditary style sketch oh, God. I'm very curious what that would look like especially from like a temp score perspective andrew bowser calls uh onyx fortuitous hereditary meets what we do in the shadows oh i can see that's that. his yeah that's so. his comp <laughs> yeah for sure well this actually is an interesting segue to using hereditary hereditary was edited by the editors of noah bombach's editor so he used to like family dramas. And I think Ari Aster brought in that team to, because it was a family drama that turns into a nightmare. How did everyone, and we'll go in a circle and we'll start with you, Taylor. How did you uh, come to the project and how did you book the job? This is actually through a mutual friend of Molly, the producer, Molly Elfman and mine. Um, She was, she's a fantastic editor herself. Mm -hmm. Her name's Kayla Empter. Um, She edited Hustlers and is kind of on fire right now. But I don't, I don't know if horror is her, you know, her thing. Yeah. So she passed the tone reel on to me and knew I would like it. And as soon as I saw it, uh, yeah, I was like, I need to meet these filmmakers, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that says about me. I think I'm a well-adjusted <laughs> human being because this tone reel is wild. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, the moment I saw it, I, I met with Molly and, and Laura and we just kind of talked about our love of horror and, mm-hmm you know, and kind of the vision that we saw for this movie and how to approach the edit. And we were kind of on the same page and just said, yeah, let's make this happen. Awesome. Nice. Uh, mine was just uh, Molly Gordon uh, and Nick Lieberman, the directors for Theater Camp, uh, looked on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <laughs> and they were kind of, I think, hunting around for like, you know, editors that they saw that worked on shows in New York that, you know, shows that they liked and they, you know, reach out to, I think a bunch of people that I know and me, and then we clicked, you know, we kind of met and talked and it just seemed like we were, you know, I guess like on the same page in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of oddly how I got this gig. So yay, IMDB. Yay. A sponsor here (laughs) at the Sundance (laughs) Festival, I believe. Um, When you were having that first conversation, obviously this is a Actually, not obviously for our listeners. It's a mockumentary style movie. Yeah. How did you initially start talking about how you'd be crafting the narrative around something that is meant to feel like a documentary? Well, so I have a I didn't come up in the sort of traditional, uh, you know, scripted uh, way where you, you know, apprentice and then you learn under someone I came, I guess, the, I mean, it's not necessarily the one is traditional one's not, but I came up and just did um, local car commercials and industry facing videos and then moved on to documentaries and then like kind of just stumbled my way towards, you know, eventually finally getting to cut a feature film, which, which I uh, did before that. Um, my, my first feature was false positive with a 24. Mm-hmm. Oh, and cool. then, um, and then this is my second one. But, you know, having done kind of a lot of different kinds of things and a lot of docs, I worked on uh, Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know, that that 
kind of like helped. I, I, I looking at the beat sheet, there wasn't a script for the film. It was an improv. Mm-hmm. There was little bits here and there that were kind of like scripted, but not much. And they shot it. They strategically filmed the whole thing without a plan. So that it had that sort of life. How was that cutting that? If uh, like, did, if plans are, if, you know, if it's improvised the whole thing, you know, you don't really have, Oh, let's go to this take or this take. Was or it take. multi-camera? It was, they, they would cross cover and okay. then, you know, they would do a, a take and they were like, okay, if we didn't get it right, we, they would kind of roll it again. And like, you know, sort of like, you know, try and get the ideas, yeah. you know, give, give them feedback on what they did and what they could do better. And yeah. then they would go for it again. And it was, you know, the, the, the words were different, but the vocabulary was the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as you, they, and then, you know, there'd be like, okay, so that's the A setup. And then the B setup would come around and it's like the, the cameras are in two different places again, or, or one camera was in the same spot and the other camera was in a different place. Yeah. And then, you know, it was, so it was a good bit to organize. Mm-hmm. My assistant, oh, Kira, Kira Ablak, my assistant, she's an amazing human. And she <laughs> was able to kind of go through the footage and, you know, sort of parse it out into these themes, you know, right. like these kind of ideas kind of go together. And then I would go in and, and then, you know, kind of try and build little modules, you know, with the directors or by myself, like we were just, you know, kind of parse through that. And that's like, you know, kind of going back to like the doc thing where yeah. you get a piece of footage in a documentary and you're like, is this a scene? Mm-hmm. Is this supposed yeah. to be entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? And yeah. You know, sort of having had that sort of going through that trauma already, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew that, like, at least with this, that there was there was going to be a way, you know, because it, you know, the, there was a plan at least. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be a plan, a, a through line taking you to the end of a story, a narrative. Yeah, yeah, we were going somewhere, mm-hmm. and that you know, it, it, you know, and then you know, you kind of put it together and you get your whatever three and a half hour cut, and then it's trying to figure out how to you know build the stakes mm-hmm. and figure out the most interesting way to you know to show more or show less and uh you know keep keep people engaged yeah you know wanting to go through it in in the way that they would a regular feature film yeah. you know with people that they care about and characters that they're invested with right with some of these scenes that were well we know most of them were improvised to to some extent were you able to Frankenstein together to steal from birth and birth. Uh, Frankenstein together a scene that worked from different improvised uh, takes. Yeah. If that makes sense. So was that bi- a big part That's of the discovery everything. process? <laughs> That's everything. Yeah. But then also there were times where we didn't have another thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like the option was to jump cut. So and that's okay, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Like whereas you know, with the traditional, you know, like where you're trying to kind of make it make the the editor's presence invisible, you kind of can't do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can if you go really if you're trying to do something that's like stylized, hyper stylized. But you know, for this, there was you know, there was a kind of beauty, and also you know, like uh, overwhelmingness of being able to do anything. But then, uh, yeah, yeah, you're like. Too many decisions can be a kind of a bad thing. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Now, actually, I want you two to speak. First, I want to hear about your meet, your meet cute. It seems like you guys have been working <laughs> together for a while. Um, but how did you become connected to the project? Well, Andrew Bowser, who directed Onyx, I met him in 2011 at Comic-Con in San Diego. And he was a... That's a perfect meet cute for this that's, film. Yeah, that's uh, that, that meet cute came a, a year or two after Anthony's meet cute, but um, <laughs> he was a wedding uh, videographer and an editor, and so I met him editing some panels for Comic Con 2011, and I was a media manager. And then a couple of years after that, he did a short film called Monster Machine, and you can find that on YouTube. 
but at that at that point, I was I was getting more into sound design for film, but but uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And this <laughs> Monster Machine short film had like references to Dawn of the Dead and the Thing and Gremlins, Pumpkinhead, <laughs> like all these horror movies. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I have to now do the sound design on the level of like all of these old mm-hmm. classic horror films and things like that. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was 2013. So me and Andrew Bowser have now been working together for 10 years. Wow. So he kickstarted this feature um, and he raised $600,000. And I was on the page of the Kickstarter. Like I was hired before the project was even, you know, incepted you know so um yeah and that's how i got into the project and uh yeah and yeah i guess uh anthony and i have been working together for uh about just as long or to a degree yeah yeah, like six years now like solid exactly what we've been doing yeah but we met 13 years ago yeah mike and i met uh through a mutual friend at a uh an la show called uh channel 101 which oh, is, yeah Harmon and uh and rob shrubs uh we great. love channel 101 yeah, yeah so that's how mike and i initially met and we just were friends like and then i think one day we had a conversation and it was like wait, you do sound? I want to do, and Mike was like, I want to do sound. And so we just kind of hit it off that. So then, you know, um, I've been taking a stab at sound for a while at this. I did a horror feature too. Same thing. I think that's how any of us start out. You just go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out. And I started getting more and more credits. And then I would start bringing Mike onto projects. And then that's kind of, kind of how we started our career. And now we've done a bunch of great projects together. And yeah. And then Mike, was like i got on i got this movie onyx let's do this and yeah mostly because anthony's a supervisor he hires me onto projects Mm -hmm. but because of my relationship with bowser that's why i hired you but anthony's a career supervisor and i'm more of a sound designer type so like i said earlier this was the most ambitious project i've ever done i could not have done this project without anthony because he he, and vice versa yeah it's this is the the scope of this project is massive yeah so yeah because it's a low budget movie but you it still needs to like stack up against a hundred million dollar movie and yeah 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 yeah. it's it's kind of funny like even when it is low budget there's there's no room there's no really you, you can't you don't want to do a bad job. Yeah. The filmmakers, no matter what their budget, the filmmakers don't want to hear like, oh, well, you only got, you only got us for, you know, and yeah. it, we're really, this was my first time working with Andrew and he's great. And it's like, well, I want to do a great job. We want to make this movie sound as, as best as possible. And I want to do that with every project I work on. You don't want to just, you know, half ass it, you know, mm-hmm. like I want every, even if it's a low budget, we, we worked on, uh, we, we recently worked on weird, the Ali Yankovic story movie. Yay. Yeah. And it was similar, similar story. It was only, we only had four weeks to cut sound on that. And it was just like, we want to do the best we can. Cause we want this movie to sound as best as it can. And yeah. So huge yeah. props though, to the directors on both of those movies. Yeah, so yeah. Eric Appel directed weird, the Ali Yankovic story. And obviously we've been talking about Bowser. Both of those directors have something in common. They are so game with everything we bring to the table. Yeah. yeah totally. And that I think, uh, you know, a reason that you have to do, you know, so many different temp mixes and everything. And w- what actually costs, uh, you know, a hundred million dollars, you know, obviously the soundtrack doesn't cost a hundred million dollars, yeah. but when a soundtrack is expensive, it's because of how many iterations you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if your director is always just like, Oh yeah, this is great. Let's do more of that. You know? Yeah. And just, it's just creative. It the whole you, process. It gets you excited. It's going to sound good it. too. Like mm-hmm. it's also just going to sound really good. So, yeah. To me, what's great about some of these low budget projects is the the fact that people want to do this. They volunteer to do this. Yeah. These are their passion projects. And so, you know, they're often working on them on their own time mm-hmm. um, and resources. And so, you know, everyone's going to deliver exactly. their best and also gives people an opportunity to kind of sharpen their skills creatively, yeah. try new things. Yeah. And you get, there's just this synergy of, I don't know. Excellence seems a little corny, but I know at least with my team, everyone, I was like, holy shit, you're talented. Like, where did you come from? And and so it's like all these undiscovered talents in one space creating story. I don't know. It's, I, there's something so beautiful about that in indie, you know, filmmaking. And this is my first feature. So I didn't really, wasn't expecting that. I really did think it was going to be like, okay, we'll just get this over with. And, <laughs> all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do what I can as best as I can. But no, everyone really, you know, 
gave as much energy as you know yeah. they could and it's so much fun when you're on a, yeah when you're on a project like that because it makes yeah you just want to every you're a part of the team everybody wants to do a great job yeah. and it just yeah how was the first for your first feat you've you've edited for tv yes. and shorts i'm sure uh how was moving into a, a feature it it actually wasn't as overwhelming as I anticipated <laughs> because I was basically trained in features, um, like just starting from AFI and, and assisting um, right out of school, um, pretty much in the film world. I did some television assisting, mm-hmm. but, you know, I everything, even when I was cutting television, I kind of approached it with a very long form, you know, film perspective. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to dive deep into these characters and Producers were probably like, okay, can we, we just need to get this out by <laughs> yeah, like Friday, yeah. get it together. And so I was like, yeah, but are we really feeling her, you know, arc? But um, they're yeah, like, so this is a two minute sketch. You got basically, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, when I got the dailies, I was just tromp, chomping at the bit. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't wait. It, yeah. I was just more, I was just eager and excited and the nerves just went out the, the door as soon as I saw my first day of dailies and our DP is fantastic. I know that's like a real relief, right? Like yeah. when you see the dailies and you're like, it's going to be good. Yes. Yeah. It's yep. going to be good. For us, it's a rough cut. Yeah. Like when we see a rough cut and we're like, oh, God, thank goodness. This, yeah. this oh, is a yeah. good movie. Yeah. Is that yeah. the time? Ta- so actually, I am curious, at what point does sound get involved? And when are you, your teams talking to each other? As, as editors and then coming from a sound perspective. Yeah, a lot of the times it does kind of depend on budget and stuff. So there's a lot of shows where, like, I might just get brought on at the very end. Like, the Black Lake Sketch Show, the sketches are fully edited. And, like, mm-hmm. they've had some conversations before, but it's like, okay, go, 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 go. Or, like, other movies, you know, you might have time to get and sit and meet with the team. On a bigger budget where you have weeks or months, excuse me, months to edit, I'll get brought in beforehand and have conversations. And you'll get scenes sent to you and you can do some rough design sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's what happened with, you know, or we were at least given some stuff on, you knew what was, Mike and I knew what was coming towards us for, um, towards Onyx. So. Onyx. I mean, he sent me a script a long time ago. Yeah. He also, since he's been working with me for 10 years, he has it built into his brain, like what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So when he was writing the script, he said he was writing sound moments into it, knowing like, oh, Gallagher's going to like make that sound awesome. So, so yeah, he's already thinking about it way before. So I'm pretty confident once I get a cut from someone like him, yeah, it's already made for sound. Like I'm, it's going to be a brute, I shouldn't yeah. say a breeze, but <laughs> it's going to be, uh, you know, fun. Yeah, That's a healthy relationship actually. Yeah. It sounds That's, nice, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. It, it is like that, that, the gaining that trust mm-hmm. uh, from that level of the script. That's a beautiful thing that takes years to do, you know, and sometimes when you're, you know, you jump on a project and you're meeting everybody for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's be creative and trust one another. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's very, that's yeah, it's, very nice. It's always great when you can continue a, a working relationship with a crew or a director and editors. You know, a lot of times I'll work with editors and they'll recommend, you know, me to, you, if they get onto another project, they'll be like, oh, I know this great sound guy. And then like that helps, you know, that then the director trusts their editor. So they, you know, then it makes that. Uh, process a little bit easy and yeah yeah and i'm really curious from y'all's perspective as far as from editor's perspective because we worked really closely with um jamie kennedy the editor for weird the al yankovic story mm-hmm. on the mix stage and everything she was great and uh like do you guys have the same relationships with sound people and i i do a bit of asking as early as i'm allowed depending on the budget you know yeah. and and you know get stuff if i can I'm all, you know, I'll definitely always ask for sound effects and then, you know, rough them in myself. Uh, but I, I do, uh, I take sound very seriously. It's like, you know, consider it 50% of my job. Oddly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Truly, it is. It is, you know. It's- and so, yeah. So like if I can get, you know, something going earlier, the better, but yeah, it's all kind of budget wise. If, if you all have a chance to see the tuba thieves while you're here, that is a, it's a documentary with, uh, fictionalized elements that really considers sound in the way that we listen. And I think it's also going to change the way that we caption films. So it's absolutely worth checking out. Oh, cool. It's, it's awesome. Tell me there's tuba captions. <laughs> oh, there is. Oh, wow. Shut the front door. Fantastic. There is a hilarious tuba caption joke within the film that oh, cool. I, I interviewed the director before this and uh, uh, before the festival. And it is, 
I mean, I think it'll also, it'll make you all think about like how people are consuming films period differently. It's so, so fascinating. Um, <laughs> it, blew, it blew my yeah, mind and I'm just like finding excuses to talk about it with people. No, this yeah. is so, I'm so- <laughs> when you received the, uh, when you started to get into the edit, how did the story change for theater camp and birth rebirth? What discoveries did you make? <laughs> it's we discovered that the the film was lighter than we thought, more accessible than we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more comedy just with the performances that you know weren't really written to the scripts, and we laughed while you know <laughs> cutting and just thought, "Oh, this is the perfect kind of relief we need in this moment that you know we weren't expecting." Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of those. And we just kind of embraced it. And I, you know, I think so far the audience is responding. You know, we were kind of nervous about, is this going to undercut the drama or the, you know, the real emotional beats of this film? But um, I think it enhanced it and made these characters relatable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it also makes the audience more comfortable with a subject matter that's kind of hard to digest or wrap your head around. And so, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. And, you know, I, I... take my head off to the actors for that. And they were, they were great. They gave me a lot (laughs) to work with. (laughs) That, that, that comes across in, in the film. And those moments of levity are critical (laughs) to balancing the tone. And, and what's interesting is, you know, playing with horror is similar to playing with comedy. So finding those moments, it it makes sense that, that you'd be able to find both of those in, in a pretty horrifying film. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, I I, uh, I did the um, I worked on all the seasons of Search Party, and I don't know if anybody. I don't oh, know, the, yeah, the, or, yeah, or yeah, the director of Weird just directed uh, a couple of the first episode of season two of that. Yeah. Oh wow, cool. Yeah. It's a small world. Yeah. Everyone's crossing over here. Yeah. But the uh, there, if you get towards the end, it gets kind of uh, horror like. Yeah. But the you know the idea of mixing comedy and horror together is. It's phenomenal because you get to have those just like something about having a laugh and then of just being genuinely like frightened. The two of them go together. It's mm-hmm. like it's, the best. it's like salt and sugar or something. Yeah. 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 It's that tension. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. It's like a joke is building tension, and then you have the relief of yeah. the laugh. It's I the same it. thing with yeah. I also love food analogies, by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Sweet they, they work a lot with posts. I feel yeah. like, like it's oh, like, that, my favorite thing. A lot of people don't look when you're looking at a timeline, like when we're doing a mix, <laughs> and it's like, oh, we got to move something a frame earlier or a frame later. Some most people go, oh, move it towards breakfast or move it towards dinner. That's my favorite. <gasps> I love analogy. that. Yeah. I was when I introduce food. that to somebody, when somebody hears that for the first time, oh my goodness! No, so, yeah, yeah. I'll move it towards breakfast. I'll move it towards dinner. Robin was so excited when she heard that's that. Right, she was yeah. like, oh my God, my life has changed. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I know how to communicate. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good thing. Because if you say move it forward, you just fix a problem for me because I'll yeah. be like, move it forward. And yeah. they're like, forward in the story or forward <laughs> towards the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Dinner, yeah. Dinner to the right, left towards breakfast. Yeah, this so, is yeah. why we opened with what we ate for breakfast. We had uh, on theater camp, we were lucky enough to have Jim Bruning do our uh, music editing. Oh, nice. And he is so thorough and amazing music editor worked with angelo battlemente for years Uh, he's like he's like really great great guy and he would give me these um slip notes that were like move it left move it right you know move it back move it forward yeah breakfast and dinner would have been such a fun way to like read those notes like you'd just be like a big smile like while you're doing oh breakfast (laughs) everyone let's two frames towards dinner it's hungry now yeah Yeah. hungry (laughs) maybe yeah it is getting close to lunchtime so (laughs) we're all feeling it so yeah how what discover what were there any things in the story for theater camp that you didn't know would be there or something that you know there's the age-old saying of the the editor this the director fires the screenwriter and then the editor <laughs> fires the director, which I believe in because mm, you yeah. can you can push the story, and you're also advocating for the audience. Um, were there any were there any like major changes that you had to make, or something that you had to crack with the story? I mean, everything with this one in particular was, you know, because it the I still don't know how they sold this film to be or <laughs> or got financing. They haven't sold it yet, but but they I I you know because it was a beat sheet, you know, yeah. So that's was picture start attached early on. Yeah, yeah. They 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 they're wonderful. They yeah. you know, they really were behind this thing from an early, you know, point and like you know, they believed in it. And I think where other people didn't. 
And I, I think that's why I think that's why that, that they're pretty progressive companies supporting stories that we haven't really seen before. Yeah. It's yes. very refreshing. So like, you know, they were there and, you know, were able to like believe that it was going to be something when in fact, you know, we had to really scramble this whole thing in order to make it what it is with the documentary you're sort of like uh you know it's a mockumentary but your field is wide open mm -hmm. you can tell the story backwards and sideways you know there's so much you can do with graphics or and and you know the we kind of ended up going with the the, the most simple route which i think is kind of like simplicity is kind of always key yeah um, did you try a difficult route and then you're like this isn't working we definitely did a lot of yes like cross-cutting where it was like you're moving through time and and you don't exactly understand uh, you know you know that things are relating and mm -hmm. they're you know juxtaposing scenes against scenes that then make a different idea mm -hmm. um which you know we did many iterations of everything in order to crack it you know and build the stakes and hopefully get people invested but yeah it was kind of like you just to down to like the the main title moving that around you know <laughs> yeah. like and 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 you know from the beat sheet to what it is ultimately with the exception of the end which i don't want to spoil it don't spoil it yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't want to spoil it that's good well this is a cliffhanger this is like <laughs> the, the food was Gussie. placed on the table and then you just took it away food? Like, yeah. More food no dessert, no dessert. <laughs> okay so i am curious to hear a little bit more about the collaborations with the directors across the board. And we'll start with you guys because you've already started, you've touched upon this deep cuts relationship with uh, the director, who, by the way, same with his DP, they've been working together for for a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really cool to see like a deep friendship that has <laughs> led to a film here at Sundance. Yeah. Um, how, 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 what was the process collaborating after once you were inserting the sounds into and crafting the sound of the film? I mean, once I got footage, you're just, you're starting with a blank slate on a film like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first things I put in and I think are, are also some of Andrew Bowser's favorite sounds, which are the doors and thunder. Can you do, can you try to do the sound of the door? Oh no. But there's so many layers. Anthony, can in, you do that? In a movie, in a movie like this, the doors, you know, it's a big haunted, or it's a big giant mansion. It's, there, there are many. A haunted, yeah, it's a haunted yeah, mansion. It's a haunted yeah, quote unquote. Yeah. And so there's giant doors. And so you have layers. In a sound effect, you don't just have one little door. So like, you know, you doors, like, no. doors I've heard are really hard. You doors know? are <laughs> very challenging yeah. and fun. And okay. So most people think when they think of sound design, they think of Star Wars, think of lightsabers, and blasters and um, Jurassic Park, the T-Rex and the Velociraptors mm -hmm. and everything. I can put just as much expression into a door or a, you know, a bang of thunder yes. um, as any of those. And I think people underestimate that if your movie only has, say, doors and no supernatural creatures or anything, <laughs> that there's no such thing as sound design in a movie like that. But that's not true. I think you can totally make a sad door. You can make a happy door. You can make an exciting door. You know what I mean? I know a sad door. I know a sad door. Yeah. yeah. And, you, yeah. and you also might notice when there's a happy door in a sad scene and you're just like, mm, someone wasn't thinking that through. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever had that thought, but it, something may have hit something you the wrong way. Something fell off. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Well, it that's, needs to fit the mood. That happens a lot with sound design. Sometimes you would go, you do something, people might not inherently go like, oh, I noticed that sound, that door sound, but it's triggering something in their brain that, you know, a frequency or a sound, you know, it's creating a mood. And so that's what a lot of. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that was, that was definitely like uh, the two things I tackled first was like, and the doors were really the sound of the house, mm -hmm. which is 80% of the movie, the, the mansion. I'll just say, because, you know, I've been friends with Bowser for a while. Our sessions where I would show them all my sound design were a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They would come over. So Olivia Taylor Dudley stars in this movie uh, alongside Bowser, who's also the main character. Andrew Bowser stars in this movie, wrote it, directed it, um, edited. edited it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it got into Sundance. So I guess he can uh, take his career wherever he wants. Yeah. But um yeah, does he need a vacation? He, he yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Does he need a nap? I, I don't even think I'm going to bug him. Like, I'm not even going to talk to him this whole trip at Sundance. Like, Dude, you do your thing. But um, yeah, so they would bring over some whiskey or some beer and we would uh, have some drinks and just play all the sounds. And I know Olivia and Bowser love that part of the process. Mm -hmm. So we just turned it into this, this fun thing. 
And so, yeah, for months before the mix, we would just do these sound design sessions and listen to all the crazy stuff I was coming up with. And then we get to the mix stage and there's still that process. It's still happening during the mix stage. So oh, yeah. So they're hearing it in just like maybe an edit room initially. And then when you get on a mix stage and you're, you know, everything's being loud and played, you know, at the proper levels, you're like, oh, and then you can really dig into some stuff. And have you fun. hear stuff that's missing that you just never yeah, you go, realized. Oh, let's try this. And Bowser and Olivia, like we had so much fun on the mix yeah, stage. Yeah, the mix stage was fun too. Yeah, just going, oh, let's try this or try this. We had, we were fortunate to work with a great mixer, Tony Solis. And we had, uh, we had a lot of, we had, for the amount of budget we had, we had a lot of time on stage actually. And we were just able to create a lot, a lot of fun stuff, even in those moments. Like we had Olivia recording stuff. We set up a microphone on the mix stage because oh, yeah. it was like, oh, we're missing this. And Olivia would go in and do like a thing and we'd throw it in with a mix. And she plays a demon. So she was doing like demonic screams and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a scene that's like 20 seconds maybe. And I remember she recorded all these growls and all this insane stuff. And I mean, in that whole, just that one 20 second section took me an entire day to cut. Yeah. And it's just so dense and insane. But that's, I, that was during the mix, I think in the last couple of days. Wow. Yeah, a yeah. lot of times, sometimes sound, you know, comes together in that mix, you know, you're just yeah. trying different things. Tony Solis was also coming up with a lot of like design choices mm-hmm. who, who mixed it. Yeah. Which isn't typical, but for everybody, it was just all hands on deck. I mean, it, for like we were talking about with indie film, it's like everyone's here to make the best exactly. thing at the yeah. end of the day. So who cares if you're stepping into a different role and no, it's making yeah, it better? And the way things are now with technology and everything it's all you know jobs are blending together you know back in the day an editor was very separate from a mixer now there's a little bit of you know cross you know which i love because i i mean if i had another life i would be a sound designer i'm (laughs) jealous just listening to this i'm like i you know i think it's one of the most brain stemmy um crafts (laughs) to me more so than editing i think you know when you when you uh, mentioned have affecting people psychologically um, and sometimes you can just play a scene straightforward, knowing that you're going to uh, affect the audience in the mix or with the design. And it's, and it's more than just, you know, lightsabers. It's like the creak of the door, the the ultrasound, you put them in certain places over certain images and boom, you got, you've, you know, messed up your audience and they don't even know how. And so, I mean, that's, like that's magic and i yeah i wish that i had more time because i would be a full like <laughs> a full sound designer but um but yeah well, now i get to do a little bit of both which yeah, yeah. well i love about. working with editors that like are that take sound serious you know sometimes you'll get project and you know there might not be great temp sounds or you can tell that just or maybe there wasn't time the same door sound for every yeah, door and, yeah. and every and, scene. You know, yeah. we're hired to change that but i love when i get to work with editors that have like put time even into their temp sounds and yeah. just like even that helps tremendously like when you've worked you know like when you get to work with an editor beforehand or they're just doing lots of stuff it that helps the process. This is a newbie question. When you're getting to the stage of sound mixing or mixing uh, and even sound design, do you come in as an editor and advise? Are you part of that conversation? Um, how does that work? Yeah, 100%. They, yeah. I mean, I like to. I mean, I kind of tiptoe, you know, I get a feel of the room and, <laughs> and see how they feel about my um, suggestions mm-hmm. or if they're, if they're open to collaboration in that sense. But it's usually because I'm so um, involved with the design and from the beginning, I usually have to communicate my intentions with mm-hmm. something and, and, and they take it a step further and then I'll kind of pile on to that. <laughs> and then the, I know it's, I don't know. I love that process. Yeah. And if you're working with a mixer who um, or designer who likes to collaborate, then it's, it's probably one of the funnest parts of it's most yeah yeah it's my favorite when you're on stage the fun, we've done all the sound editing and now we're on the mix stage and the editor and the directors are there and you just have you know yeah when it's a fun process and everybody's collaborating i that's my favorite i think like yeah. with onyx we had so much fun on the mix stage there it never was like a tense moment everybody yeah. was happy to try new things and try different stuff and it yeah. just was yeah I mean, back to Black Lady Sketch Show, those are my favorite mixes. Like, where all, <laughs> all the editors are involved in that. And it's just, it's fun. You know, there's no, 
as a as a supervising sound editor i don't like getting hung up if, if somebody doesn't like my sounds like oh let's change that i try not to it doesn't bother me i yeah. just go great yeah let's do whatever we can yeah. make best for the project and make everybody you know everybody's on board for this yeah so cool how about with theater camp what was the engagement with sound yeah i mean uh i i i, I was in on the mix and then yeah i typically i spend a lot of time in the edit doing rough sound mm-hmm and making sure everything's stereo. Yeah. And, and I have the best, <laughs> thank you, thank you, the thank best you. quality sound effects that I can find. Yeah. And I mean, I, I also, I have a bit of a music background. I was mm-hmm. in a band for, touring band for cool. a oh, long nice. time. What was and the name of the band? Bear in Heaven. Bear in Heaven. Okay, cool. We, uh, we were, you know, indie darlings for a little while. Nice, nice. It was a nice ride. Yeah. Good detour. Yeah. yeah. I like was editing and then I literally did not edit for six years. Wow. And, it was kind of weird, but also cool. Yeah. So I like, you know, I, in that process, I made like some records and awesome. got really familiar with Pro Tools and Ableton. And we love Pro Tools. Yeah. I love all that yeah. stuff. So like diving in the sound was kind of like this, this thing that I've always enjoyed. I like, I like really love. And then, yeah, I kind of push it as far as I can. I know I'll never get, you know, to a level that something like you guys yeah. can do on, you know, a big mix stage with like really good sound effects and really good plugins yeah, and yeah. all that fun stuff. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I sat in on the mix with them and it was nice to have like, you know, the, the three of us, you know, me and Nick and Molly and, uh, you know, we we're able to kind of go through it again yeah. and like make everything just that much better, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And there, there was, you know, nice to go back to like, the reference and see certain things that I did well. And then, you know, a little sad when we go back and be like, man, that was really sounds not as good as what they're doing right now. <laughs> Sometimes I'll do that. I'll be like, listen to the guy and everybody. I was like, you put an EQ on that or something like you put the radio filter on that yeah, thing. Right? Yeah. Come on. Oh, well, um, at, Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I find myself trying to impress you guys often. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, I, if, this will be so embarrassing if they don't like this. But I try, I mean, I, I want to do well in service of the film, but I, I if I that. can get it. That's yeah. very, I, that's I, a no, wonderful. That's awesome. Like I said, it makes my, it makes our job and... fun. It, I love it when some, you know, when editors take the time or they want to do that yeah. and try to impress us. Yeah. That's really great. I, I wonder though, I do, and this is just like me secretly, uh-huh. like wondering, like if I do like a sound thing and I'm like, really like what i did here and then like give it to the sound people are they gonna be like what what is this no never jerk <laughs> trying to it never do happens. sometimes it's like oh that's so good i don't have to do that yeah right. there's yeah. a lot yeah. of times where i just go oh we're just gonna use this what the editors yeah, yeah. did because this is great yeah. that's a great discovery i mean i'd like to give a little inspiration to picture editors that are doing sound i mean in the very first scene of weird the al yankovic story that uh, Lynn manuel Miranda's uh, doing the uh, defibrillator paddles together. Uh-huh. And I totally used the sound that the editor, the picture editor made, and they didn't just pull a sound effect. They actually took their magic mouse and rubbed <laughs> it against the mouse pad. Yeah. And it was a, it was a custom recording that they did. And it's in the movie. Like that's I was just awesome. like, I can't do better than this. Oh, good. That's great. And then at the end of the movie, the picture editor helped me crack a sound that actually the most difficult sound of the movie was this slowly squeezed bicycle horn that rain Wilson squeezes. <laughs> oh, wow! And it just, you know, if you do that for real, it just goes, right. So it doesn't make anything, but they wanted, you know, they wanted it to sound sad. Yeah. So we slide sad whistles. Bike horn. Yeah, we yeah, try. Yeah, yeah. We sad bike horn. We all know it. We sad bike horn and sad door. They they, <laughs> they go. Went on a Could have been happy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I remember we tried vuvuzelas and a trombone, what a slide whistle, and then the picture editor Jamie Kennedy was just like, "Oh, actually, we tempted in a, do- a dog's chew toy." Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, she said it was her dog. Thank too. You. She was like, oh, I tried my dog. She dog's recorded story. it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, she's like going oh. in and doing all this stuff. Yeah. So I took that and I ran with it and I went home and I came up with five versions using a chew toy. And finally, one of them got actually approved by Weird Al himself. Yes. Which was, yeah, that is a big, thank goodness. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were a couple of moments in that movie where we, got, where we got, we get a thumbs up from Hal and you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it was great. Yeah. Jamie's an amazing editor and working with her. She's just as, you know, wanted yeah, sound so to be just as important. Go for so, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I say go for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got approval. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this roundtable, as we wrap it up, we I we've uncovered that 
edit and sound, everyone has a crush on each other in terms oh, of their oh, talent. Yeah. 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 Uh, and well too. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> sometimes you'll be like, sometimes if I have enough time on a project too, you might, there might be something that's with sound, we're trying to cut something that's not quite working with the edit. And sometimes I'm like, oh, can we just change this like a frame or two here? You know, like, yeah, it's a very important mm-hmm. collaborative totally. process between, I mean, we're editors too. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's a different type of editing, but it's the same, you know, it's yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up and um, we're going to go around and just give one piece of advice that you have for somebody who wants to eventually get to where you are in your career. So think of somebody who might be right out of college. Maybe they dropped out of film school like I did. Uh, What would you what would you or what would you tell yourself when you were starting out? Save money <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> yes yes that I, is true. I would say always try to work on the projects that mean something to you i know it's important to hone your skills and just practice the craft itself but you'll learn more about your own um, capabilities and tastes when you work on something that's compelling or that you think is compelling or, or pulls you or is is you know the best story for you. And I think when people see what you can do while working on something you're passionate about, you'll opportunities will just kind of, you know, come to you. Unfold, yeah. So yeah, just find, just work on something that, that uh, means something to you. Yeah. I think that like echoing on that, like, you know, it is, yeah, you, every, every step you take, like, even as you, you know, you're coming up, like, I don't know. I worked as hard on everything as I have, you know, uh, from the most rinky dink thing to like the biggest things that I have. And I, I put forth my energy and find something to love in each of them, but it is a much healthier way to be uh, when you can find something that you love and people that you like working with, Mm -hmm. that is going to save you a lot of gray hairs Mm -hmm. And stress, unnecessary, you know, stress that kind of can permeate into other parts of your life. If you find things that you do love and content that you, you know, like and people you like working with, mm-hmm. this this will definitely help you in the long run. And, you know, uh, don't give up. And you don't have to go to film school. I guess we're in the right spot, right? Like yeah. this. I kind of remember when the first time I heard this podcast and I was like, Oh, cool. Like I can get in the weeds on some. This was the first like in the weeds podcast about film and making film that I like I felt like it was on an, in this like level of minutiae that uh, I, I hadn't heard. And I didn't go to film school. And I was like, is this what film school is like? I actually don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> from my one year of film school, I don't think it it, it gets to this minutia. Yeah. But then again, my professor, who's one of my podcast co-hosts. Uh, who teaches at film school and went to film school, he 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 brings us that minutia. So it's a compliment. It's a compliment to film school if you don't go or great if you don't go to film school. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I, I went to film school for about a year or so and then I also dropped out as oh well. Uh, um, and it, and I'm jealous, I'm a little older, but like I didn't have YouTube and now there's a lot of stuff that like you can go on YouTube and people have videos. Like if you want to learn Pro Tools, you know, there's videos mm-hmm. on all this stuff. Mike, I mean, I'll set up Mike and his great in-depth uh, sound design oh, channel yeah. on YouTube. If you want to get into sound design or anything like that, there's so many just options for you now with, with the internet or whatever and YouTube to check out some of the stuff and learn. And and yeah, and then just back to if you want to get into this, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I moved to L.A. and just started same thing, just started working on stuff. And you, I had some friends that also moved to L.A. So you just start working with people and you get to you start meeting people like I met Mike at Channel 101. You just find find and meet like minded people and just work on projects. And, yeah, inevitably you do this a bunch and it just you'll you know, you get lucky and you get to keep doing it. Yeah. Some some get luckier earlier than others, True. which yeah, is, yeah, not, yeah. you know, and good for them. Like yeah. you should applaud them on their way. Which oh, is totally. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's different for everybody, you know? Yeah. It's just... But, you can get lucky, but like you said, don't give up, but also out, just outlast everyone else. Yeah. yeah. And just get to that yes. point. I mean, you know, stick with it. But I mean, I, I'm just going to echo what Anthony was saying as far as getting out into the world. I mean, that's how I met Anthony. That's how I met Bowser. Yeah. Just get out there, do things. And when I was... Um, 
when I met Bowser, I wasn't even a sound guy. I was managing media for a post-production company. And it's okay to take detours and go go on tour for six months. Yeah. Uh, six, six years. years. Yeah. Six years. Um, yeah. it's, it's great to do that and meet yeah. different people. And, you know, if I would have just been doing sound, 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 sound all my career, yeah. I would have never met Bowser mm-hmm. in person. I mean, yeah. it, I would have just met other sound people, which is great. That's fine, too. Um, and if you are introverted and you hate this advice, <laughs> I will say that um, <laughs> I'll say that when the pandemic hit, I went to the Reddit animation forum and I was noticing that there's like a lot of really talented animators mm. don't know how to do sound. And so I just found like some really cool animation and just did it for free. And I'm not like saying you should always work for free, but when you're cutting your teeth well, yeah. and you find something interesting or you want to really want to work with somebody and they don't have the money, they really actually don't have the money. They're not just saying that. Um, do it like, you know, and have fun with it. And I did, it was this hand-drawn animation. It was hand-painted and everything. I did the sound for it. I didn't even tell him. I just sent it to him. And he, and he was just like, oh my God, he hand-painted me a credit, put it in festivals. It got into festivals internationally. So you can just do that sitting at home on Reddit. You don't yeah. have to meet anybody if you don't want to. That is so you nice. gave me chills. Yeah. <laughs> well, so like, nice. And funny enough, uh, I did that years ago too. I'd seen a post on Kickstarter that was like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I'm making this, I'm making this airplane horror movie or short. Like, want you know, trying to get this together. I reached out to the guy because I was just like, oh, this looks cool. Lo and behold, the his the director of that, his name was Clark, and he is now the producer on Onyx. You know, and was, that yeah. was like just this sort of like funny, weird, like yeah. because I had reached he was or when I got brought on Onyx, he's like, I know Anthony, Anthony offered yeah. to, to do this thing. So yeah, if you know if you just reach out, there's so many options to just reach out to people and be like, you know, hey. Oh, can I add one thing? Please. This is and I, I I don't know why this just popped in my but uh being open. Mm-hmm. And I think like early in my, my career, I was, I wanted to like be the sort of savior mm. and like make everything like just, just the, wanted to like control yeah. and like work on it so that it was like, it was like my ownership or something like that. Mm. I think as I've gone along the line, I'm like, I'm open to however the best way that this thing yeah. can be. And like, I'll, I'll take, I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of all spoken to that over the course of this whole thing, like just yeah. being open is like it, it's a really it's kind of can be like tough for the ego you know mm-hmm. uh, because you didn't necessarily solve the problem but you were open to to making it a part of the equation and thus making the greater whole yeah know? yeah yeah we've talked about it. it was just like film yeah it's filmmaking it's a collaborative process like yeah i used to feel that way too just about sounds or it's like a director would be like no and i'd be like oh i worked so hard on that and then i've just learned over time it's like oh it's so much you know like that's, well, that's not what the director's looking for. He's looking for this. Like, let's work together to make this, you know, it's a team effort. And then when it comes together and they're all happy with it, it's so much fun. And it only makes you better. Like, I, yeah, I exactly. there were moments where after um, the editor's cut, the director would come in and I was like kind of banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to get out of a scene. Mm-hmm. And they would come in and just say, well, why just put that shot over there and move it. Like simple fix. And I'd be like, oh my God, I, need to, I should just quit. Like I should just go into accounting. Like why am I? Um, but you know, I'm realizing they have the advantage of objectivity, which mm-hmm. is, and then also just kind of keeping all those ideas in mind for the next cut or the next projects. Like yeah. you're being open is your, one of your biggest resources, I think. Yeah. Agreed. I love that. Well, with that, Let's go around one more time. Say your name, where people can follow you if you're on social media. If your film is coming out or you know yet, uh, share that. I don't know if anyone knows yet. I know Shudder is a thing. It's public. It's public. It's um, a thing. I just don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> coming soon. Um, so, yeah. Why, why don't you start, Taylor? Um, uh, my name is Taylor Mason. And you can find me at Taylor J. Mason on Instagram and Twitter. And LinkedIn, I think. Um, and I love a good film industry person who uses LinkedIn because it's like most people have like never posted anything on yeah. LinkedIn since yeah, college. Yeah. And I'm like, this was so big in my previous career. It's it was yeah. everything. My, my LinkedIn is sad. Yeah, is, I probably shouldn't have even said it because I'm never on there. I respond yeah, to people four months later. Let's cut that part out. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. No LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. um, mentally, mentally. Yeah, yeah. Don't. And, um, but I'm adding LinkedIn's all not a sponsor of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'll accept you in 2025 when I, when I log on again. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I cut uh, the film Birth Rebirth which comes out TBD or you can, you know, contact Shutter and they'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hope you enjoy it.
Uh, I am John Philpot. I caught the film Theater Camp, which is hopefully going to come out someday somewhere so everyone can the world can enjoy it and have a good day and laugh and <laughs> cry and uh and you can follow me on instagram at the j philpot uh, and that's pretty much all the social media i have well you can imdb you can you can find, find me on, you can discover find discover me hire and hire me on imdb I'm kind of busy right now, but <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. Someone's listening to this in five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, he's still busy. Everybody. Still- <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that's uh, that's about it. That's all I got. And- Mike James Gallagher and I, uh, sound designer, supervising sound edited, co-supervising sound edited, Onyx the Fortuitous. I don't know when it's coming out, but it's premiering at Sundance tomorrow night, Sunday, January twenty second. Um, and talk about your, your oh, right. YouTube channel. So you can follow me personally, uh, like on Instagram, Mike James, G A L, or I have, uh, a YouTube channel called in-depth sound design that teaches sound design through movies like Terminator two, Jurassic park, star Wars. And, uh, yeah, you can subscribe to that on YouTube. I have an Instagram account and yeah, I'm trying to think, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, um, Anthony Venturi, supervising senator on Onyx Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at a Venturi. Uh, I'm not great at uh, social media as well, so I got to get or I just I got to get a little bit better about posting. But you can find me on that. Thank you to our guests and to our listeners for tuning in. What I loved most about this conversation was how collaborative and passionate each of these creators are for their projects and how their egos have been left in the dust years ago. It's just apparent that these are people that you want to be in the trenches with, that you want to trust them with your with their fresh eyes and their fresh ears to make your project the best it can be. It all comes across in the final product and it shows in all of these films. What do you think? What stood out to you? We want to hear your thoughts. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Send us your questions at editor at nofilmschool.com, where you can also like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more. Mm-hmm.